0: Tennis fans, you are listening to Matchpoint Canada, the official podcast of Tennis Canada. We are also members of the Tennis Channel podcast network. I'm Ben Lewis, joined alongside Mike McIntyre, and Mike's season is winding down. The ATP season is officially over. We'll look back at the Tour Finals from Turin and another big-time title uh, from Novak Djokovic. We also have the Davis Cup Finals starting this week from Malaga, Spain, and I had a chance to speak with uh, one of the greatest Canadian tennis legends ever, in Daniel Nestor, who I know you've chatted with before, but this was actually my first conversation that I've ever had with him.
1: This is the godfather of Canadian tennis, <laughs> if you will. This is like he is the man. Like mm-hmm. before, we were in single slam finals and and going deep in Masters one thousands and having you know big time international success. This is the guy that was carrying the maple leaf for for Canada. And in terms of longevity of career. This guy is going to be tough to top in terms of how many years he was a top 100 player. How many years he was a top 10 player? His career resume really, uh, I feel like, is um, is almost untouchable in terms of what he was able to uh, to put down over the course of his 20 plus professional year uh, yeah. career.
0: Yeah, it's it's staggering the the career that he's had, uh, the 91 doubles titles and and winning across so many decades representing Canada on the international stage so often. I mean, we've talked about how uh, Vasek Pospisil is in a way taking the reins as sort of that repeat usual face that we're getting used to, uh but <laughs> we I think we joked the last time we spoke with him there's no possible way he can match the number of ties Daniel Nestor has competed for Canada in in Davis Cup, is just, just that uh, everlasting face and uh, was so successful at it as well.
1: Yeah, and really, as we sort of set the scene for the Davis Cup, and we'll get into that shortly in terms of how Canada stacks up what we expect from the Canadian squad, and you touch on this with Daniel, but what a great guest to have on to sort of preview, and although you talked about many things with with Daniel, uh, definitely his take on, on how strong this group of players is and, and what he thinks they're able to accomplish.
0: Yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, Without further ado, here's my interview with former Canadian tennis player Daniel Nestor. You are listening to Matchpoint Canada, the official podcast of Tennis Canada. I'm Ben Lewis, and so happy now to be joined by 12-time Grand Slam winner in doubles, a former world number one gold medalist, and one of the most decorated tennis champions of all time. Happy to welcome Daniel Nestor to our podcast. Thanks uh, so much for coming on.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, we we really appreciate it. Um, I guess I'll just start now. It's It's been... Sometimes since uh, you finally called it a career, what, what is retired life like for you these days, and what's actively keeping you busy?
2: Uh, enjoying life, uh, happy to be in one place. Uh, didn't don't really miss the travel aspect of it, especially now it's uh, more challenging than ever. And uh, do a little bit of encore stuff at uh, different clubs. Sometimes with Tennis Canada, play a little, a little bit with my kids, and you know, try and stay in shape. That kind of stuff.
0: That, that's good. So obviously, you're still busy out playing on the court. Um, have you ever had aspirations, I guess, since retiring, like a thought of wanting to be a full time coach to a player? Is that something you've ever considered? Is it something you'd like to do or, do? or do you more sort of like to take a back seat and play with the kids, work with juniors sort of thing?
2: Well, I can see myself doing that uh, around the city. I just can't see myself doing that at this stage uh, on tour. Uh, I just... Don't uh, really want to be, be on a plane like I, I, you know, I did that for a long time and I definitely got that out of my system. So I don't miss that aspect of it, as I said. And so, you know, I, I'd love to help, uh, you know, players and, and you know, I'm, I'm interested in, you know, staying in touch with what's happening on tour. But uh, as far as being out there, nah, not, not at this point.
0: Uh, Just currently and very recently, you were added to the ballot for the International Tennis Hall of Fame for 2023. You know, a lot of players, I think when they're growing up, they have dreams of I'd love to win Wimbledon someday. I'd love to be world number one. Is the Hall of Fame something that that ever crossed your mind as a a player? And uh, what's it like to receive an honor like that?
2: Definitely, it did not cross my mind uh you know hard started hearing you know people mentioning it uh, towards the end of my career and and shortly afterwards and i you know that was the first time I even thought of it. I never even thought it was you know gonna be considered with the uh, you know some of the people that are inside uh you know it's it's pretty humbling you know i mean we all start the sport playing singles and you know I was a decent singles player but uh you know never really uh you know achieve maybe my potential and and you know I, I don't know how high my potential was but um it was definitely not uh you know number 1 or anything or top 10 uh, I think I could have done the better but uh you know I when we think of top you know tennis players it's it's usually about the singles players and you know I had an amazing run in doubles and 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 uh you know did some amazing things but uh you know I wasn't even aware that uh you know people were being considered uh, for for doubles and so, but you know, it's uh, it's definitely special, and and uh, you know, I'm I'm excited that uh, my name is a part of it. But uh, you know, I'm not really expecting that much, but we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a great honor. We we all feel, of course, you belong. Just looking back at some of the great moments of career of your career, I mentioned the gold medal win, of course, uh, which came in 2000, winning Wimbledon twice. Uh, is there a single maybe title out of, I mean, you've won 91 of them. Is there one title that really resonates in your mind of like, this maybe was the most most special moment?
2: Yeah, uh, definitely the first Wimbledon was very special. I had won the other slams and I don't know, Wimbledon as a you know kid, professional tennis fan you know, kind of stands out. Uh, more so than the other tournaments. And then, you know, winning a gold medal, those two, you know, were probably the most special. You know, it was a big moment for Canadian sports when it happened and, you know, not just for for tennis. I mean, people just took notice, you know, because it's the Olympics and, you know, people are paying attention. So that was obviously a big, big deal and, and very, very special for me. And it kind of kick-started my, uh, my doubles, you know, winning. Uh, I, I hadn't really, you know, i won tournaments before that but i hadn't really won anything major and so after that i i felt as though my best results came so it it definitely helped me and yeah those two probably stand out
0: when uh we look i guess at the state of tennis in canada uh, i mean it seems like it's the most optimistic and and strong it's it's ever been uh we have davis cup right around the corner we also have Billie jean king cup Uh, you've represented canada on the international stage countless times just your thoughts on canada's team currently felix oge eliasim dennis shapovala Vashik Pospisil, and a couple of the young guys in galerno and and diallo what do you think of uh their chances and prospects and um is, is this one of the strongest canadian teams you've seen maybe at davis cup
2: yeah for sure i mean uh you know dennis and felix are are both you know playing some of the best tennis of any players in the world especially felix uh, the last few weeks he's you know, we had a remarkable season and, um, you know, he's the, the leader of the team and Dennis, you know, he's so talented. He could beat anyone at any time. And then Vashik, you know, he's a great, uh, you know, uh, replacement singles player, Or you know, he's, he's had many big wins in Davis cup and singles, but, uh, you know, the, I think the other two guys are, you know, a little bit more accomplished, uh, you know, for this tournament, but, uh, you know, if, if need be, he's always uh, available and, and, you know, he's shown that he can beat the best players in the world also. So it's a very strong team and, and you know, Vashik and, and Dennis and Devils is, is also very strong. And uh, and I think, you know, I'm not sure who's playing, but uh, I've seen kind of briefly uh, some of the names of the different teams, but I don't think, you know, all the top guys are playing and, you know, we have a full team and, and I think Canada might be the favorite to to win it
0: yeah they'll definitely have a a great opportunity there's a new event actually coming in 2023 called the united cup top nations um are joining their best atp and wta players i don't know if you've heard about this but uh just um that event as a concept do you like the idea and then is it kind of hard for you to fathom maybe say 15 20 years ago that canada could be one of the you know top five six nations in the world in tennis
2: uh yeah no i mean one of the reasons why i kept playing for as long as i did uh was also because of davis cup and you know milos was playing amazing Vashik was playing great and and uh you know i was still playing pretty well in doubles so i anticipated that you know we could have some uh some good runs and that was exciting for me and then dennis and felix came on the scene and they started playing great so you know but in my time was unfortunately done so you know uh I, I knew that uh you know with the that level of talent that they'd be one of the top teams and and they're showing, showcasing that now it's too bad miles can't be part of it that would only add to their strength uh, i'm not familiar with that event that you're talking about is it a men and women
0: combined event? yeah it's it's going to be a joint event i think it's the top 6 nations in the world by sort of combined ranking so then you would actually have in this case like felix and dennis could be playing Alongside and with like Layla and Bianca, for example.
2: Yeah, I mean that's that's amazing. I mean, we I played an exhibition type uh, event uh, called the IPTL uh, for a few years, and it was a team aspect, and and there was men and women involved, and you know it was a lot of fun. Everyone was really into it, and and uh, you know, yeah, that could that could you know Canada again, you know, Bianca and, and Layla and Dennis Felix and Vashek playing doubles, and and Gabby playing doubles and. You know, it's a very strong team. I, I don't know if uh, if doubles how it doubles fits into it, but I imagine it would be. And uh, so, you know, that would be a very strong team, uh, and definitely one of the favorites. I, I think it'll be exciting to watch.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a great new event. Uh, should be starting up at the front end of of the season. Are you yourself still uh, a tennis fan? Or are you someone who who watches regularly?
2: My youngest daughter is diehard. Uh, we went to the U.S. Open together uh, for. a an afternoon and she loves uh watching and she plays pretty well and she's into it and and uh so she she when it's on like it's on all day and so i gotta you know i i enjoy watching especially the canadians and you know kind of keeping uh up to date with what's going on uh so for that reason i'm i'm aware of what's going on and and uh yeah i really like watching uh you know dennis and and felix and Vashik. uh you know, especially, and, and on the women's side too, it's, uh, it's, it's good to see that, uh, you know, we have, we have so much, you know, talent and capability to win huge tournaments.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we do. And, um, you know, there's a bit of a a changing of the guard in a sense. I mean, we've seen a lot of terrific players retire, I think in the past year or so Serena Williams, Roger Federer, a couple of legends saying goodbye this season, getting a new world number one on the men's side in, in Carlos Alcaraz, um, what do you think the state of the game is today as we sort of transition Uh, obviously for the men's side, for example, we, we won't have the big three around forever and uh, we're sort of slowly saying goodbye to the Williams sisters on the, on the women's side.
2: Yeah. I don't know. Serena keeps mentioning that she's not done yet.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That that was was also leaked. You never know. Yeah.
2: Yeah. What's going on all that, uh, all those ceremonies at uh, the Rogers Cup, the U.S. Open, but uh, I guess she's not done. Uh, so I mean, she played pretty well at, uh, at the U.S. Open, so that probably inspired her. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's I guess it's always an, inevitable uh, that uh, Father Time uh, is going to win in uh, in you know pretty much all sports and, and <laughs> all walks of life, I guess. Uh, but uh, you know, I think uh, you know Novak probably still has a little bit of juice left in him. I, I'd like to see him you know fight uh, and and win a few more slams to make it interesting and and if that happens probably Nadal will, will stay uh stay relevant too and and then the the young guns you know it's uh you know Dennis and Felix and and Alcaraz and Sinner and I don't want to leave anyone out but uh there's there's so many uh, rude and you know all these guys that uh are playing so well and and uh, the the best thing about it is it I don't you know I sense that uh, if the top 3 retired that the game wouldn't be as popular but i think the the sport is is you know is doing so well on all levels and and people are tennis crazy the the demand is so high that uh it doesn't matter if these guys aren't going to be there it's still going to be uh you know these young guns are exciting and then you know it's it's still going to be exciting to watch
0: yeah um Are are there any uh, junior standouts in particular in Canada that maybe you're working with or you've watched? I I know for us here at the podcast, we're high on uh, players like Kayla Cross and Victoria Maboko who are young teenagers and and playing some awesome tennis. And it feels like we have a lot of uh, great talents sort of coming up in the pipeline.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm familiar with them just because, you know, pretty close with uh, Kayla and uh, family. uh, So I've seen her play at the junior... When Melinda Sears, she's playing really well, and she's got a good attitude, and and she fights hard, and uh, which is half the battle, and and she's pretty talented too, and and left being lefty doesn't hurt, and then Vicky, you know, he's she's you know so athletic, and she's a big hitter, and you know they've done really well in doubles and and singles on, at that level, and I think they have uh, you know definitely a, a great future, and and uh, that there's girls alongside them that are are their level. Also, that are playing very well and on the girls' side. Uh, you know, I know Jaden Weeks on, on the boys' side is uh, our top junior. I'm not sure about uh, you know outside of them. Uh, I see some kids at uh, the under 10 level when I watch my my youngest play, and they're very talented. And so, I, I, I but I just see the the competit- competitiveness of the sport, and and uh, you know, kids are really into it, and which is a great thing. And and uh, so, just that alone will you know is gonna. Plus, the fact that we have so many great players is is motivating, uh, you know, this to continue. And uh, I think, you know, it's just it's just going to get better and better for Canadian tennis.
0: Well, uh, Daniel, you're such a big part of that uh, and such a huge part of the incredible growth, I think, of tennis in Canada with all your amazing achievements on the circuit. Thank you so much uh, for joining the podcast. And again, big congratulations on being added uh, to the ballot for the Tennis Hall of Fame for next season.
2: All right. Thanks a lot for having me.
0: And there you have it, my interview with Daniel Nestor. I mean, the big news involving Nestor a few weeks ago, which uh, we touched on, is his name being added to that ballot for the International Tennis Hall of Fame. I I don't think it's being um, controversial to say he's a shoe-in, an absolute lock to go straight into the Tennis Hall of Fame, no questions asked, Uh, but... It's it's also good timing. Just a reminder of his presence on the international stage and how high he is on on this version of the Canadian squad, and with good reason.
1: I mean, getting a Canadian into the Hall of Fame of any sport is pretty phenomenal. But in tennis, mm-hmm. and I don't have, I feel bad. I don't have the statistics or or previous people who've been included there. I don't, I'm not sure how many Canadian tennis players we might have in the uh, International Tennis Hall of Fame. Could Could Daniel Nestor be the first? Um,
0: that's that's possible because i was thinking of um carling bassett uh Seguso, but from my understanding she's just she's in, just, she's in she's she's the ontario sports hall of fame yeah. but not in the international tennis hall of fame so this is
1: when having a producer on the show would come in handy they could just you know <laughs> look this up while we're talking but mm-hmm. regardless what a big deal for for canadian tennis and um i've never been to newport before but i'd really like to and maybe this is even something that uh, i or we look into for next summer to be there to see Daniel going, because that would be cool. But it's a niche tournament, the grass court tournament. Uh, It seems like it's got a lot of, you know, pomp and circumstance around it. Um, And yet, you know, compared to other sports, I don't feel like the tennis, the international tennis hall of fame, gets nearly as much attention as other sports hall of fames do.
0: You're right. Um, And, you know i've I've seen just the the site in Newport. it looks so beautiful. They have that amazing tennis tournament which is which is a sort of cool two fifty event that we've seen our friend Blair Henley cover in the past and I wish it was um more prestigious than it is, I, I think receiving the honor is, of course, prestigious, but it certainly doesn't get the hype that that we hear when you hear players being announced to, um, you know, the Baseball Hall of Fame, for example, or Canton, Ohio, hockey getting Hall of Fame hockey in, is huge. I mean, it's such a the Hockey Hall of Fame, of course, the site in Toronto is is such a tourist attraction, so uh, it, it should carry, I think, a little more prestige, um, and it, it's a great catalog of the history of the sport as well.
1: I would go for sure if they told me that I could hit on one of the courts with you, you know, like <laughs> I if would we love could that. get out there yeah. and actually I've never played on a grass court before yeah. that would seal the, I'd start packing my bags right now to go yeah. to Newport if, if we could do that. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean the hockey hall of fame, for example, my kids are bugging me all the time. They want to go see it. They want to do things there. There's interactive exhibits. I'm not quite sure what the tennis one involves, um, but uh, something I think probably every tennis fan should consider making the trip to at some point, you know, if they can. And, you know, just to get on to what Nestor was saying about Davis Cup and what I really dug, and I think he kind of got me pumped up for it even more in terms of the chances of Team Canada when he said that he felt Canada were the favourites, in fact, at this year's Davis Cup when he looks at them compared to the other squads.
0: Yeah, and I was struck by the fact of... um part of his interest in staying around for for a few more years towards the end of his career was, was seeing how far Canada could go on on the international stage. And of course, they're left in fantastic hands. And you look at the youth on the squad and Felix Oje Yassim coming over from Turin. We hope he's still healthy and, and can get some rest in that trip over to to Spain to to be good. I mean, Italy, Spain, that's not not a long trip, but he's played a lot of tennis. Uh, Denis Shapovalov, I'm I'm hoping, is still fresh in the latter part of the season. But you look at the other rosters and Canada will open um, in the quarterfinals against Germany, a team that's going to be missing. Alexander Zverev, who, of course, is out with injury. They're a big favorite to move into the semifinals. And then, you know, after that, Italy or the United States next up. I really feel like they can hang with any of these squads you look at the other options spain is there but they're missing carlos alcaraz missing rafael nadal australia netherlands i mean alex Dimenauer, a nice player but nobody there is is incredibly dangerous it, it's a winnable tournament and we saw like they made the finals in 2019 okay and pushed spain in the final who had a, a very dominant Rafa at the time. I feel like Dennis and Felix three years later are much improved, and a couple of the rosters around them are, are a little lighter this time around.
1: Yeah, I mean, 2019 was Dennis and, and Vashik who really carried the load. There. Yes. I don't think Felix was on that squad. I, no, he was I on
0: there, but I, I think he just played one match. Sorry, okay. but yeah.
1: And, and things, have, it's amazing in three years what's kind of changed. Now Felix is the one that's sort of being counted on, mm-hmm. and yet I feel like with the amount of tennis he's played this fall, you know, potentially tiring him out a bit, that maybe Dennis is going to have to play a bigger role here and maybe a little bit fresher as well. And perhaps with something to sort of prove as well to close out the season. But when Nestor said Canada were his favourites, I mean, I looked at those other rosters and yeah, it's almost, it's hard to argue against someone saying that. And certainly against Germany, without Zverev, Canada should by all means be taking this one. Uh, And then from that point on, it depends. Some of the squads are deeper, like not deeper than Canada, but just are deep in general. Like the U S has a pretty deep squad, but you know, Taylor Fritz, how many miles are on, on his body at this point of the season as well. Um, It's, uh, you know, it's unfortunate. I want to say that not every squad has what Canada has right now, because you want to see the best in the world at an event like this. If I'm going to go see Davis cup, I want to see the best that Spain has to offer the best that, uh, you know, each country there has to offer you're getting it from team Canada. You're not getting it from all the others. And I still feel like Davis cup is not yet at its ideal status or standard. And there still need to be some tweaks because slotting it at the end of a long season like this, even having, you know, all of our Canadian players there, they're going to be tired. I mean, where's Mm -hmm. Vashti coming from? He just won a a tournament in um, over here in, in what, in Quebec, right? So there's going to be the time zone difference for him too. So it's hard to find a spot on the calendar, but I just don't, I'm still not really jiving with what they've come up with.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've we've talked about this, uh, you know, the past couple years of sort of some kind of reform of this event, how unbelievably late in the season. I mean, this is the point of the year where I think a lot of players really either want to be resting for a couple of weeks or basically beginning their preseason and getting ready for you know, 2023 gearing up for already heading down under for tournaments in Australia. And you have to play another week long event um, just at the tail end of the season after an incredibly grueling long year and look like Carlos Alcaraz had intended to play this event for Spain. He suffers that abdominal injury after obviously surely that was the most tennis he's ever played in a calendar year at age 18. He finally breaks down, doesn't get to play the ATP finals. Uh, The United States, I mean, they have options, but is Taylor Fritz going to be fresh after making the semifinals uh, in his debut at the ATP finals? I'm not sure. Francis Tiafos played a lot of tennis as well. So is Tommy Paul. So there are definite question marks here. And uh, for me, like if on on paper, honestly, if they're healthy and fresh, I think Canada has a a terrific chance here.
1: Yeah, for sure. And uh, just Nestor's, it was interesting listening to him because he really saw the the transition of Canada from a, a nation that nobody would consider a tennis powerhouse to mm-hmm. one where I think everyone could agree, boy, our men's and women's squad collectively put us on par with, with anyone right now. And you could tell how much pride he took in kind of bringing along Milos and Vashik, and how much he kind of, I don't know if lament is the right word, but how much he kind of wished he could have hung around a little longer with Felix And Dennis as well. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, he just played such a big part. And uh, I like also, I wanted to mention this earlier, so I'm just going to throw it in now, how he gave a shout out to Milos Raonic, who arguably if healthy, uh, I'm not saying he would displace Felix or Dennis, but he would give another, you know, big player for, for Team Canada to potentially rely on.
0: I'll imagine Milos Raonic as your third singles player. That would be an incredibly stacked roster. I want to share a very brief uh, Raonic story, by the way, that I heard a couple weeks ago from a friend who is a big tennis guy. We play sometimes and he spotted Raonic at a mall in Toronto, by the way, uh, who he was eating some Mister Greek, and he <laughs> um, built up the courage to go say hello um, and say that he was a fan, and said that he asked. Milos about uh, playing and the scoop, the inside scoop here is that roundage hopes to make a return in Australia. He says he's been laying laying low, but hopes to make a return in Australia. That's my inside source. That's all I have for you.
1: That is such good news. Well, thanks to your friend at Mr. Greek. Um, But uh, (laughs) You know, that's interesting to me because I would have said that like a hundred percent, maybe six months ago, even though we hadn't seen Milos in over half a year, Yeah, um, maybe even more like a year at that point. And I would have said, for sure, this guy wants to come back, that he's working towards coming back. But the longer it's gone and the more there's been sort of silence from his side, and uh, hey, no uh, criticism of that. Enjoy that rare amount of time, you know, off from the media spotlight. But I would have started to say the doubts are creeping into my mind. It makes it harder to come back. He's not old by any stretch, but he is in his early 30s now too. Um, So that's really, you know, uplifting to hear that. I would love to see Milos come back and see what he can do. And I still argue and maintain that if he's healthy, and if he's able to get to the right fitness level, that he could still be a threat in Australia mm-hmm. at Wimbledon on any fast surface. And, you know, not to mention at a masters 1000 where it's only two out of three.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. If his body uh, allows it uh, without a doubt, we should just mention, I mean, you quickly mentioned Vasek Pospisil winning a challenger. He won uh, the national bank uh, Drummondville challenger this past week, uh, defeating Michael Mamo in the final. That's the 11th singles challenger title of his career. With that win, he's back uh, right at the ranking number 100. So back inside the top 100, actually, for the first time since November of last year. So it may be, I think, back of obviously him still having goals of getting back to the top 50 and thinking if he can, you know, even crack the top 30, uh, that this is, You know, the first step in that and that also winning that challenger event, he'll secure uh, that automatic qualification to the main draw of the Australian Open. So that's good news for him leading into 2023 as well.
1: Yeah, and we spoke with Vashik not too long ago. What was that last month? I mean, it's all becoming a blur now to me. But, uh, you know, he spoke about what he hopes he can do and what he feels he can do. And uh, I I believe it. You know, again, Vashik in his early 30s, but, uh, you know, really um, young mindset. And, uh, you know, he still doesn't look his age. I don't know if Vashik will ever look his age with, yeah. uh, with the baby face he's got. But uh, yeah, would love to see it. And, you know, we kind of forget like Vashik hardly plays doubles anymore. And yet at Davis Cup, you know, such a rock for Canada in that position. And he's not playing doubles more because he really wants to focus on what he can do in singles. But this guy to me could be a top 20 doubles player if he was, you know, playing regularly. And I'm sure there'd be tons of guys on the ATP Tour that would love to. Partner with him if he ever decided to give doubles a little bit more focus as well.
0: Oh, un- undoubtedly. Uh, we should shift over to the ATP finals because good friend of I know uh, Novak Djokovic, uh, doing some winning this past week. Uh, he defeated Kasparud 7-5, 6-3 to win the Tour Finals from Turin for a record-tying sixth time. So that ties Roger Federer for most ever. He goes a perfect 5-0. and I think the most impressive part of this stretch is... Um, Gets through that round-robin difficult group, finishes with a long three-set win over Daniil Medvedev in what was effectively a dead rubber. For both of them, there wasn't that much meaning in the match. Djokovic had already qualified for the semis. He didn't need to push that hard to win. Medvedev, he was already eliminated. I think he wanted to push that hard to see if he could... End his season with the win, but Djokovic winning seven six in the third looked like he completely exhausted himself. He was seen with his hands, you know, shaking between changeovers at one point. He still looked a bit tired in his win over Taylor Fritz in the semis, um, but still just gets it done against Casper Ruud comfortably in the finals. And you know he he looks undoubtedly to me like the best player on earth right now.
1: I was looking at uh, Twitter this afternoon while Twitter still exists, and um, <laughs> Sebastian Fashan, uh, who's very active on on Twitter, works with the Morotoglu Academy, uh, does a lot of freelance work. He had an interesting tweet. It said, uh, and I'm not saying I agree with all of the tweet, but he said, Alcaraz, world number one, Nadal, player of the year, Djokovic, best player in the world. Hmm. And I kind of like how he put that because to me, and it's not a lot of discredit to Alcaraz who earned that number one based on his accomplishments uh, accomplishments this year. Nadal had some fantastic, fantastic results as well. Uh, But Djokovic to me is, yes, the best player in the world. And I feel like with 2023, you know, a couple of months away, um, he's going to come in fresher than many for next season. He's going to come in hungrier than many for next season. We know he's going to Australia, that he's allowed back there now. Uh, You know, he's going to want to prove a lot there. And I, I think for him, what a great ending to a very tumultuous year. And you could tell when he picked up that trophy uh, and when he spoke afterwards saying, you know, the trophy is equally uh, for his team as it is for him, for all the support and uh, and what they went through this year and what he had to endure this year. Um, yeah, you know, just uh, if you're a Djokovic fan, part of Nole fan, um, you got to be pretty, pretty happy with how 2022 ended.
0: Yeah, you have to be thrilled I think basically with all his tennis that he's played post US Open, which of course he missed. Uh he's been near flawless since then. The only two p- players to beat him, the young guns Felix Auger-Aliassime beating him at Laver Cup and Holger Rune just barely stopping him in the finals of the Paris Masters. If you think he almost ended his season with four consecutive titles, nearly won that Paris Masters leading into Turin and Yeah, just just his quality of tennis right now is is unmatched. It feels like you just have to play perfect, not only physically, but mentally on the court to have a chance. Taylor Fritz had an opening to win his second set in their semifinal. It was 5-4-30 all. He had this backhand sitter to put away. There was noise from the crowd as he was about to hit it. Missed that in the net brief opening for Djokovic and he snags it instantly and so you can't have these mental letdowns even if they're distractions around you because there are no mental letdowns from Novak Djokovic at any given moment in a match feels
1: what, what do you think 2023 for Novak just to kind of push ahead here well I mean, he's he's uh, certainly Aussie gonna be open I mean he's, he's been a god <laughs> at the Aussie Open You got yeah it I mean him.
0: he's he, he's certainly a massive favorite at the Australian Open I will say like the way to stop him, like it felt like Kasparu didn't have the tools to beat him. Uh, we've seen Carlos Alcaraz, of course, beat him in Madrid. I'd be fascinated to see a best of five match between those two. Another player that stands out, just thinking back when they played earlier this year, Yannick Sinner and Djokovic going five sets at Wimbledon. He was close there. But are you really winning three sets against Novak on a relatively quick hard court in Melbourne? He's going to be a massive favorite there. And you think if he wins Australia, OK, 22-22 with Nadal leading into the French Open. How much tennis does Rafa have left. I think a lot of people would not be surprised to see Djokovic perhaps eclipse Rafa in the slam count in 2023 or or at the very least maybe tie him.
1: Yeah, and you gotta think Wimbledon as well is a is a turnover. Big favorite Novak there. Is the odds on favorite. Yep. I would love to see just to mention Rafa for a second, I would love to see the two of them have some important uh matches in twenty twenty three, some Agreed. finals at the slams, because I feel like and Nadal's already kind of admitted to the fact that who knows maybe next year could be his last, depending on what happens next. He's got a kid at home now. His body continues to take a beating. That's nothing new. Um, but I'd like to see the two still have some some big tilts while they're you know, able to play some, some great ball still.
0: Yeah, we should touch on Rafa just briefly because um, he was having a tough stretch. Uh, obviously, leading into the tournament, he lost to Tommy Paul. He had had the previous loss in the fourth round of the U.S. Open. Loses his first two matches here in Turin. Uh, loses first to Taylor Fritz. Felix Sociali. Seam gets a big time win against him. Uh, then wraps his tournament, winning one singles match against Casper Ruud, which is also a dead rubber. So he actually had a four-match losing skid, which was his longest losing skid, I believe, since uh, 2009, (laughs) which is uh, pretty incredible. Second
1: longest of his career, I think. Yeah, and
0: second longest of his career, dating back, I think, to 2005. So I think the question on people's mind is is Rafa cooked? Is Rafa done? Or was this sort of... Who are these
1: people? Who are these people (laughs) asking this? I mean, honest to God, you can't be a serious... Tennis, you know, member of the media or even a tennis fan, if you're asking that, because right. So look, it's never been the strength of his year. No the year end. What does does he have left at that point? He's playing on arguably his is you know, weakest, and I say weakest, not that it's a weakness, but like not as strong as surface. Indoor, Mm -hmm. you know, this is a guy who's great at fighting the elements, battling in the heat, what have you. Uh, indoor tennis is 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 too soft for Rafa, you know. He needs (laughs) he needs all those things conspiring against him. So This is nothing. This is a blip. This means absolutely nothing. I just love the fact that he was fighting right up until the end uh, in his last round Robin match.
0: Yeah, I agree. And um, I I think we we just have such short-term memory in this sport. You think like if if you saw the commentary on Rafa over the past week, you'd think he'd endured this miserable season. You go back like months ago, he won 20 straight matches and two slams. I mean, the first half of the year, he was without question the best player on earth. Uh, So it's easy to forget what he accomplished the first six months of the season. Obviously, injury issues. That's nothing new. That always seems to happen for Rafa. Um, part of his playing style, of course. But uh, if he gets a healthy preseason, uh, no doubt, I, I think he'll be fine to begin 2023. He'll certainly have a massive ask to try and defend his Australian Open title from from this year. That will be incredibly difficult. But I'd love to see him, you know, contend and be right up there with Novak. And if Alcaraz is healthy, and hey, maybe maybe some of our Canadians like Felix with the Tennessees played the last couple months will be a contender too yeah for sure for sure um hey a couple more points on the ATP finals here
1: one is who was the biggest surprise of the tournament for you Mm -hmm. and two we got to talk about the uh we talked about Djokovic at length well how about the other guy who was in the finals uh Kasper Root and what you saw from him uh, in this tournament
0: yeah well firstly biggest surprise of the tournament has to be uh russia's Andrei rublev because he seemed to have no belief joking in press conferences ahead of time that it's like what am i doing in this group like this was is just impossible deflecting.
1: he was just deflecting and lowering <laughs> his opponent's uh, expectations for him I hey think.
0: that might be it but you know he had a couple incredible wins to get to the semi-finals uh firstly it started with a great um Three-set victory over Danil Medvedev, which he won 7-6 in the third. Had to play incredibly brave, gutsy tennis to get over the line there. Uh, Loses to Novak, but bounces back. Wins in three sets over Stefano Tsitsipas, who was very sort of of sour after that loss. Said uh, Rublev used the few tools that he had to beat him, uh, which... Which, uh, you know what, I want to like Stefano Tsitsipas, but he's had a bit of a habit of being sort of a sore loser when he when he drops tough matches. And this was another kind of weak moment, but great victory for Rublev. So for me, he's certainly the surprise of the tournament getting to the semis for the first time. Casper Rude, look, he's had a fantastic season, two slam finals, Miami Open final. Now, the finals in Turin, he's never won a tournament above an ATP 250. So it tells me something might be lacking in his repertoire to win these big matches. Now, obviously, nobody's really been beating Novak Djokovic. Uh, however, you look at some of these finals that he's lost. I mean, Rafael Nadal blew him away in the French Open. I feel like he needs another sort of weapon in his arsenal. His back end felt like a bit of a liability in that final that. He's he's number three in the world right now, but he doesn't feel like the third best player in the world to me.
1: And how far would you push him down that uh, that assessment? Because he's got to be right near it. If he's not three, he's got to be very yeah, close. I put him, I put him I yeah, I put him five. I think I put him five. So that's so not a huge discrepancy to me. And I mean, even no. if he's not winning some of these big moments, he's getting to these big moments. Yes, Slam finals, yeah. doing well in the Masters 1000s, making it. You know, a year ago, it was semis at the ATP final. This year, it's the finals. The learning curve is is rapidly rising. He's ascending quickly, and he's only 23 years old. He's only, what, a year older than Felix. So, to me, uh, I mean, Felix obviously made huge improvements this year. We'll save that for a future episode as we wrap 2022. But Kasper Rube, to me, definitely belongs at the upper echelon. Uh, he's made me a believer this year, and um, and he's a nice guy, too. You know, he's a
0: really man. nice, likable guy. Really. I, like, really I liked likeable. what he,
1: I liked what he said in his post-match comments. He, he, uh, he, he did a heck of a closing speech. I think he thanked everybody in, in the building there. Actually, his thank you speech was so long and elaborate, but, uh, he ended by thanking his partner, his girlfriend. And, uh, and I like how he kind of quipped at the end. I look forward to being a normal person for a few weeks with you and just thanking <laughs> her for her patience throughout the long, grueling tennis season because mm-hmm. there really isn't much left over at the end of the year for you to give to your family, your loved ones, those who are closest to you, when it's all said and done. And uh, as we talked earlier, how you know the Davis Cup doesn't have perhaps all the greatest players. Man, if I'm an ATP player, I'm taking some time off too this time of year, parking my butt on a beach and sipping a pina colada or, or 10, sure. you know what I mean? Because yeah. they've earned it. And so uh, I just like that comment from Casper to, to save it for the person who's closest to him and 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 thanking her for all she's given up because, yeah, we see what these tennis players do week in and week out, but we don't really think or focus so much on the sacrifices that their family and loved ones have to have to give too, so I just really like that uh, as a sort of closing remark of his too.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's very well said. Nice to bring that up because uh, to me, he's one of the classiest guys on tour, and I feel like Felix is sort of similar with his very likable, humble personality and just speaking with uh hearing from Casper, I think at the front end of the year, he had set goals and benchmarks initially to like try and make quarterfinals, maybe semifinals of slams. So for him to exceed that and make two slam finals in a career year in 2022, and he was already, you know, making inroads in 2021, winning all these titles and ATP 250s that I I could certainly believe he can improve more. I I mean, he's been incrementally improving every season. So why not go one step further in 2023? And I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him win a big, big title. I mean, would you be shocked if he won a masters 1000 on clay? I certainly wouldn't be.
1: No, I wouldn't be shocked if he won a masters 1000 on hard court either after what he's done this year. Right. So He's getting closer to it. And I wasn't surprised that he ended up in the in the finals. It's not I'm not saying he was my pick to get there, mm. but it, it also doesn't surprise me based on what he's done. You know, to me, a surprise was Medvedev losing all three of his matches, not making it deep. He won the ATP finals in 2020. He lost the finals in 2021. I expected him to make it out of the, you know, the group at least. That being said, what a group. And I should also say all three of his losses were in third set tie breaks. So, yeah. <laughs> thinnest of margins could have easily won one, two, or more. We're talking a couple points, literally here or there.
0: Yeah, I, I think he lost on the mental side uh, this week. As you said, all three losses, seven six in the third. And two of those three matches, he was serving for it in the third set at five four against CT pass. That second match, he's serving for the match at five four. And then again uh, against Djokovic in the third, which was a dead rubber at that point. Uh, he was asked about if there were any moral victories he could take uh, with his match against Novak. And he said, No, <laughs> he said none whatsoever. He was taking no moral victories. So, I might like that in the sense that he's saying, like, "Oh, it's nice to go toe to toe against the best in the world." No, he wants to win. Uh, yeah, he's and hungry he's, for more. He's done it before. I mean, he's a U.S. Open champion. He's been to the Australian Open finals twice before. He's been to the U.S. Open finals an additional time. He wants to be winning, uh, and it's it's definitely a surprise given his talent to be exiting in the round robin stage, but. Yeah, I, I think a little bit of a break is the perfect thing for Medvedev because he can be a contender, especially along the hard courts next year.
1: Yeah, and he's going to come out hungry for more next year, and with two consecutive, you know, Aussie Open finals, this is someone that uh, very much we should expect to be in the mix. And uh, speaking of being hungry for more, for listeners of ours who are looking for a little bit more match point, Canada as the season winds down, Ben and I are not going to be, you know, heading down to the beach uh, anytime soon. We got more work to do including our Davis Cup recap coming up, hopefully with some big news for Canadian tennis fans there, potentially some interviews from Davis Cup as well. Uh, other great interviews that we're looking into and trying to get before the end of the year, although it is tougher. I was uh, speaking with an agent at IMG the other day, and he's like, Mike, I'm trying for you, but a lot of these players are already in vacation mode, and they get so little downtime, understandably so, Yeah, right now they're they're closing off their press for for 2022
0: no that's that's totally understandable but we'll uh continue to pump out episodes in the meantime i want to just say before we go so happy that uh for this year we've eclipsed 50,000 listens uh for the year 2022 which is um you know a new career high for us by a lot actually i think we were just below 40,000 the previous year so thanks so much uh 50 000 listens is not a small number so that's pretty special
1: we're like Felix. We're attaining our career high ranking. Look at that. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Hopefully hopefully it just keeps getting higher. Uh, guys, thank you so much for listening to Matchpoint Canada. Thanks uh, to our guest, Daniel Nestor. We will talk to you next time.